Next Sunday, our choir will return from their annual summer sabbatical. We are always glad to see the return of our choir late each summer, but we are also always lifted and blessed by these wonderful solos and duets and offerings of each uh, summer Sunday. So many thanks to all who have served in that way and, and thanks be to God for all who will be serving as our choir returns next Lord's Day. The peace of our Lord be with you. Three cheers for all of those who stayed in the boat. Whenever this morning's gospel lesson rolls back around, Peter gets most of the attention, and understandably so. But the truth is, if the others hadn't stayed put and kept rowing, there may not have been a boat to which to return for Peter when his walk on the water turned out to go not so swimmingly in the end. But thanks to those who stayed in the boat, Peter had a place of safety and rest waiting to welcome him. What Stanley Hauerwas once unforgettably named a community capable of absorbing his grief. Leading Barbara Brown Taylor to write in one of her books that the real hero of this morning's gospel passage is not Peter for stepping out of the boat, but the others for staying in the boat. The boat, in all likelihood, serving for the writer of the Gospel of Matthew as a metaphor for the church. After all, at the beginning of the passage, the boat is where Jesus' disciples are gathered together. And at the end of the passage, the boat is where Jesus' followers worship together. Strong signs that for the writer of the Gospel of Matthew, and probably for the original readers of the Gospel of Matthew, the boat in the story is a stand-in for the church. I cannot speak for you, but as for me, I spend a lot of my life thinking about this boat we are all in together what the poet Mary Oliver calls the strange, difficult, beautiful church. Sociologists, futurists, and others who study such things often point to surveys which suggest that the church, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, has fallen on hard times with harder times yet to come while at the same time, commitment to the gospel and the kingdom of God is very much alive. 
as can be attested by the frequency with which we hear people say, I'm spiritual, just not religious, which often means I study the Bible and pray with my small group each week. I listen to amazing theologians on podcasts, and I serve others in Jesus' name. But the institutional church, with its budgets and buildings, is just not for me. Which is not so much a post-Christian way of looking at life, as much as it is a post-institutional way of seeing things. And then, on top of all of that institutional complexity, there is also the great care we must always take in the church to speak the truth on the one hand, while on the other hand being ever mindful of one another's feelings and needs, beliefs, and convictions, not to mention politics, because the world is different now than it was when I came into it. Now people never take their political ears off. It's because, of course, of the 24-hour-a-day barrage of opinion and punditry, television, online, your phone, ugh. Because it is that way, nobody takes their political ears off when they pull in that parking lot. That isn't right, by the way, but that's the way it is. And the boat is small. I'm often intrigued when I read academics and professors and theology schools and other places who berate the church for not speaking more loudly and clearly on the issues of the day. They're not in this boat where we must exercise such enormous care for everybody in the boat. That's a struggle if you sit in my chair, right? Because there's truth that must be spoken without nuance, without dancing around the side and hoping people get it, which must be spoken clearly and plainly, and yet with all the gentleness that a small boat requires, <laughs> because even the biggest church is a very small boat because of what makes us a church, because of the ways we share life together. We don't live at a distance from one another. We stand by one another's graves and beds. We sit in waiting rooms together to hear what the report might be and we watch the hall to see what the doctor might say when she rounds the corner. The boat is small. And 
So, is it hard work to stay in the boat? Absolutely it is. And do we sometimes get it wrong? Of course we do. One wise soul once said that the work of God gets done in the world both because of and in spite of the church. And we all know that that is true. But what I would say to you is that being in the boat together is worth the work. Because things happen in the boat that just don't happen anywhere else. Our life together in a family of faith forms us and shapes us in ways that simply do not happen anywhere else. In her book, Traveling Mercies, Anne Lamott says that she makes her son Sam go to church whether he wants to or not because, she observes, I want Sam to grow up around people who live by a larger light than the glimmer of their own little candle. That's the sort of thing that happens in church. The church stretches us and forms us, shapes us and colors us, and keeps us surrounded on all sides by people who make us better than we would even have known to want to be out there all by ourselves. All of which is why the church deserves our support. You know, here at Northminster, we don't have a theology of guilt that says if you were a better person, you'd come to church more often and give more money to the church. We don't have that theology here. We also don't have a theology of blessing that says if you came to church more often and gave the church more money, you'd be more blessed. My word, that's just baptized capitalism. <laughs> we don't do that around here. We don't have a theology of guilt to motivate people, and we don't have a theology of blessing to incentivize people because we are absolutely committed to speaking the truth as clearly as we know it. But what we do have is a theology of gratitude. The church deserves our support. With all of its flaws and limits, starting right here with me, the church deserves our support. It deserves the financial support of every one of us, each member of Northminster giving what we can. For some people, that will be less than $20 a year. For some people, that will be more than $100,000 a year. For most of us, that will be something in between. But all of us, every one of us, involved in keeping the boat going. Because think about all that's waiting for us downstairs and in the youth house and throughout this corner when we arrive here 
not just on Sunday, but most weeks, seven days a week. The church also deserves our presence and our prayers. And the church even deserves our love and tenderness because someday it will be the church which will, with its own love and tenderness, care for us at the time of our sorrow, becoming for us a community capable of absorbing our grief. Not unlike what the boat was for Peter in this morning's gospel lesson. Who, when he finally made it back to the boat, collapsed, exhausted, into the arms of his friend. The real heroes in the story. The ones who stayed put. Waiting. To welcome Peter. Back into the boat. Where he. And we. Belong. Amen.